and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. Well, welcome everybody to the back porch. It's great to have you all here, Matt and Peter. It's good to see you guys again. Good to see you, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Yeah, and Merry Christmas. This episode's going to come out around Christmas time, so I hope you guys are doing really well and having a good Christmas. Thank you. Yes, Christmas is one of my favorite times of year. <laughs> Mine too. And this episode is exciting because I've been kind of geeking out on the incarnation lately for this episode because that's what Christmas is all about. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about some cool things. First, we got some listener feedback and I wanted to read a little bit of that because it's super cool. One of them comes from Allie and she's in Wisconsin and she says this, she says, Hi, I just wanted to reach out and say that I've been listening to the Signpost In podcasts and they've really helped me a lot to find more joy and closeness to God. I've recommended it to several friends here at Concordia University, Wisconsin, and have found that things I've heard in different podcasts have helped me to counsel friends who are struggling with suffering and faith. I can tell that you really care and that the impact of what you're doing has effects that I cannot even describe Thank you for serving so faithfully. And so I wanted to say, Allie, thank you for that comment. That was awesome. And we're so glad that what we're doing is helping you as you talk to your friends who might be struggling or who need some encouragement. So thank you and keep keep doing that. Another one we got from Lauren and she she's actually in China. And she's been listening to our podcast from China. She actually had a huge email with a bunch of questions in it that we hope to tackle at some point. So Lauren, I wanted to say thank you. Your questions were about mindfulness apps. You said, Lauren said she's been listening to our podcasts and kind of trying to catch up, but she listened to our episode on neuroscience and spirituality just recently. And she was really interested in talking about the mindfulness apps. She uses Headspace and wants to know what we think about it. And that led her also into a question about what we think about fantasy, fantasy literature. And she had a really unique insight because she's been living in China for for a while now. And there's some different perspectives on spirituality and fantasy from that, that culture. So Lauren, I don't have time to read your entire email on the air here, but We are going to try to get to it and answer your questions. Hopefully by now you've gotten an email response from me as well. I'm sorry if that's taking very long to do so. Other listeners, we would love to get your feedback. We would love to hear your questions. We would love to hear what you, how the podcast is impacting you. So you can do that by emailing us at podcast at signpostin.org. We try to respond to every email as well as answer things here on the podcast if if you have questions that you'd like us to address that way. I've already addressed a few other emails from people who sent things to the podcast email just personally, and I've responded to them, and they've been so much fun. So thank you all for doing that. Last thing before we jump into the episode today, I want to tell you that we will send you a free resource. We have a 10-day prayer guide that I actually wrote for our online class, Simply Pray. And it's a 10-day prayer guide that kind of help jumpstart a habit of prayer. And each day you're given a psalm, a portion of the Lord's Prayer, and one of the Ten Commandments. And you are guided through praying and journaling through those parts as you work your way through all of the Ten Commandments matched up with the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms. There's even readings from church fathers, and some guided stuff for how to use contemplative prayer at the end of that time. It's really designed to be a a way of setting aside time to begin the practice of prayer in a more regular way, in a way that's kind of easily accessible. You can do as much of it or as little of it as you like, and it's designed to be modular. But I want to send that to you for free if you will leave us a five-star review somewhere, wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a five-star review. 
make a nice comment about how how we've been helping you or how you what you like about us and then take a screenshot of that and send it to me at podcast at signpostend.org and I will respond with a free PDF of our 10-day prayer guide. So shamelessly asking you to uh, give us great reviews, but uh, I think you'll really enjoy the guide and I want to give it to you. So there you go. All right. I think that's all the business I have. Let's actually sit down on the porch (laughs) and take a moment to uh, talk about the incarnation today. Matt and Peter, I told you this before we got started and I want to try it. Listeners, the thought is to start with a little creativity, to read a portion of scripture, to bring our minds into this idea of what it means that Jesus is both God and man. Uh, This time at Christmas is when we both celebrate that, but also meditate on that. And for me, the question has been, what's the significance of the incarnation for me personally? Like I get it that it's a doctrine and I get that we, there are things we need to believe about it kind of abstractly. And those are true, but Sometimes that for me, it gets lost in, well, great. What difference does that make for me? Mm. And so that's the thing I wanted to try to talk about today. And the way I thought to do that was to to read a portion of scripture, but ask you to be imaginative with it, to enter into it. So that's how we're going to do this. And Matt and Peter, you are my guinea pigs. You're here with me on the back porch to try it. Listeners, I I would invite you to do this with me as well. Obviously, if you're driving, you're going to have to stay alert to driving. (laughs) But if you're not driving... I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and to imagine uh, the scene of this passage. We're going to take a passage from John where Jesus is talking in the temple to the Pharisees. And so let's, let's try that. Close your eyes and begin with imagining the streets of Jerusalem. You don't have to be historically accurate. You know, you can pull up imagery from whatever, whatever, you have in your mind, but imagine being in the streets of Jerusalem, hearing the sounds, hearing the voices of vendors as they sell things, the dusty streets, the warmth, and then imagine yourself perhaps as just an average shopkeeper who's headed to the temple for the day to to do your religious works, your religious rituals to go and worship God at his temple. And the temple, of course, is always busy. There's a lot going on. And as you're there doing what you've needed to do, you've been here many, many times. The temple is a place you're very familiar with. It's a place where you've talked to God many times. But today, something different happens. Suddenly you hear a commotion between a man and some of the teachers, the Pharisees at the temple. And it's strange because this man, he seems to be some kind of teacher, but he's not one of the temple teachers. And they're getting into a pretty loud argument. And you've come in, they've obviously been arguing for a little while, and suddenly one of the Pharisees shouts at this man and he says, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? People in the crowd whisper that this man is Jesus. Jesus responds, I do not have a demon. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Pharisees are upset and angry at those words, and they respond, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you claim to be? Jesus replies, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. 
my father, about whom you say he is our God. He's the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The teachers replied, You aren't 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones and began to throw them at him. But suddenly, Jesus was hidden and disappeared from the temple. So, Matt, Peter, I'd like to invite you to reflect on that. What's What stuck out to you? What came to mind? How did you feel as we went through that? Well, I think, I mean, if I'm honest, if I'm putting myself legitimately in the shoes of a person who would have actually been there, you know, a good Jew in, in Jerusalem in that day, I think I probably would have had the same reaction as the crowd did because what he's saying is so radical. What he's saying is so out of the scope that it's stunning, right? And even that there's other passages in scripture where Jesus um, begins teaching about um, him being the son of man and many of his disciples leaving him because of that. If you're a good yeah. Jew in those days, what Jesus is saying is so radical that he's essentially asking you to start something new. Essentially, you're leaving Judaism, the law of Moses, and doing a new thing. And if yeah. I was one of those people, I mean, I know I know myself well enough to know, I probably would not have been one of those people that followed Jesus. I mean, because in yeah. order to do something that radical, you need a powerful encounter with God to show you that that's the way. So I, I probably would have been one of those guys throwing dirt in the air and screaming and saying, listen to this guy. He's blaspheming. Yeah. I had the same feeling reading it today again at the very end, you know, they pick up stones and they start to throw them at him. And I'm like, I think I would have done that like in that day, right? Like that's what you do when somebody blasphemes to that level. And yeah, just the feeling of this guy is crazy. Well, and then if you put if you think of it even today, if you heard somebody today in your own life saying, I am the son of God, I'm here to uh, save the world. I mean, all these things that Jesus said, you would honestly, if if you didn't have extreme skepticism, at hearing that, then I would wonder about your own sanity. <laughs> yeah, I found myself in that imaginative experience being very curious. I don't know, I wasn't imagining myself responding in anger, but and that's probably because I can't put myself actually in the shoes of a Jewish, you know, first century guy to, to have all the background and culture and emotions that would go along with that. I was just more curious. I'm there doing my normal business and like this Basically, the people that I kind of respect, the teachers, are getting really angry at this guy. And I'm sort of non-confrontational. So I imagine just sort of sitting in the back, kind of like listening and, and being very curious. And uh, it it would be like, I don't know. I'm, I'm also imagining this, the way you, you framed it for us, Brandon, was like, you're there kind of talking to God. I'm imagining this almost being like an interruption of my conversation with God. And then like talking to him about that, we're like, all right, God, here I am again. And I don't know. It just it, then, then there's this interruption, this sort of like disturbance going on, and like almost kind of this ongoing commentary. Of like, God, what the heck was that? Like that, did, like that guy just claimed to be you. Like you know, sort of like this, uh, yeah, a curiousness about like what the heck that that's crazy. But it really pissed off my <laughs> like teachers. So like, what's going on here? Like this is like this wasn't just a trivial thing. Like. We don't stone people very often in the temple. So again, I think I have like a bystander's curiosity and sort of be like, God, what's that can't, no, that's not right. Like, and, and for me, uh, again, like in certain situations in my own life, when I've encountered 
various perspectives on the Christian faith, I find myself doing a similar thing where it's like, oh, I did not grow up with, you know, this expression of Christianity or faith. And I find myself sort of talking to God through it because I'm like, God, this makes me nervous, this person's perspective on it, because I don't understand it. It kind of weirds me out in some way, but I, you know, I want whatever is of you. So like, I don't want to be afraid of this and react defensively, mm. but also I, I'm skeptical. And, and so I, I kind of, that's my experience of having those sort of conversations with God. And that's kind of the experience that I was imagining having, you know, as I observe kind of Jesus getting into this scuffle with the Pharisees. Yeah. I, I think the thing, one of the things that stuck out to me was the, I think I've read that passage sometimes in just sort of, I guess, kind of dry, like, okay, so here's Jesus claiming to be God. That's what I get out of this. But imagining the scene brings it home. And especially, I mean, if, if listeners, if you're interested, go back and read the prior stuff. There's a lot of this conversation happening. This is the end of a longer conversation just the buildup, like it just gets more and more like angrier and angrier and more direct to the point where, you know, Jesus is like, look, the line that really caught me was he's like, <laughs> I don't need anybody's glory. You know, the father glorifies me. You don't even know who he is. You say he's your God, but you don't even know who he is. And I know him and I'm not a liar like you. And it's like, ouch, dude. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's just... You know, and I, I, I guess that doesn't, that often hasn't come through to me before. Yeah, that feels like my two reactions would have either been anger if I were, I suspect that would be more my, my personality, but I do get that kind of like, what is just curiosity? Who is this? What is going on? So building on our base, basic insights here are kind of what we've, we've seen how do you how does that connect to currently your own feelings how do you know i think the question let's start a little broader one of the questions is if you were to examine your perspective your your image that's not quite the right thing but when you think of jesus what's kind of the first things that you think of what's your standard view of jesus not you know this is not judgment right or wrong this is just as you think of jesus how do you normally imagine him? How do you normally interact with him? Yeah, I mean, what comes to my mind when I think of Jesus are like a couple things. I think the imagery for me of him as my shepherd, you know, the Psalm 23 imagery for me, that is Jesus in the sense that he is close. I I can talk to him. He is guiding. And, and the other image is just him on the cross. I mean, that's just sort of the prevalent image of the pinnacle of Christ's, Jesus's love for me and for us was that he died for me. I think I've come to a place like currently in my relationship where I feel pretty casual in, in, a, in a sense, in the sense of like, I, I feel that Jesus's invitation is get to know me. Like I want, I care about the regular things of your life. And so there's kind of this, I don't know, he, Jesus calls his 12 disciples, his friends. And like, I feel like there's a sense in which that's kind of how I've been mm -hmm. growing into that. Like, yeah, he's my friend and guide and, and sort of his invitation to me is, all right, let's walk together today. Yeah. For me, I, I actually kind of have a hard time with that question, Brandon, because I don't it's not part of everyday life to have somebody say, okay, now think of what you think about Jesus, because it's sort of, at least at this point in my spiritual life, I, when I turn my attention to think about Jesus, I'm, I'm literally turning my attention to him. And a big part of, of that experience has been through signpost in and, and changing the, the paradigm of thinking of like, oh, I can literally turn my attention to Jesus with me right now. And the idea of somebody saying, okay, now think of Jesus, I guess, I guess my mind sort of does go to the visual realm where I try to see uh, what Jesus would have been like during his earthly ministry and try to, you know, envision him like so many movies, right, have portrayed him with, you know, the clothing of the day and on a dusty Palestinian street, 
but at the same time, I don't know if that necessarily helps me at all in terms of thinking about Jesus. Mm. I liked what you said, Peter, about thinking of him on the cross, because I think especially growing up in the Protestant tradition as I have, I don't like the idea of looking at Jesus on the cross. It's like, oh, well, that's that's the worst part of you know things, but it's actually not. That's actually a wonderful and beautiful thing. And I think in certain senses, there's other traditions in Christianity that have embraced that image and get a lot of benefit out of it. So with all those words said, I, I don't know if, know if I know how to answer your question, Brandon. It's it's weird for me. Yeah, the question was sort of intended to be difficult to answer because for me, it is also difficult to answer because I think I... I, my confession, I suppose, is that I tend to, here's where my mind's going. I tend to not think about Jesus. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mean that I don't think about him or talk about him, but I tend to think about the word Jesus as being the name I use for God. And I just sort of, which is good, good, right, and true and proper. I'm not saying anything like that. It's just that, like, I talk to Jesus. Kind of, Matt, what you were saying, I was resonating with that. But what's kind of blowing my mind, I think, as I've been thinking about the incarnation, the doctrine of the incarnation, which is that is Emmanuel, right? God among us, God as one of us. In John 1, right, that Jesus, the Word, capital W, became flesh, that challenges me to think of Jesus, the person, the man, the human being who walked on earth. Like that's that's like why this passage, this John 8 passage, which is not a Christmas passage really at all, but that's why it, it's the one I picked because it's like I could so easily imagine Jesus being angry, Jesus firing things back, Jesus be like there's an argument here and it's heated and I could so easily imagine even like I, I even have a vague sense of what his face looked like. I can imagine Jesus's face. Certainly it's influenced by all the pictures I've seen and everything, but that really challenged me because like, like you, Matt, like I tend to, Jesus is just with me. I can talk to him. You know, I, drive down the street and I talk to Jesus and, you know, I even sometimes imagine him sitting in the passenger seat as I talk to him. But this today really smacks me kind of like, no, he really could. Like there's a real human being who could actually open my car door, get in, sit down, put the seatbelt on and go with me to the store. Like there's a physical being that can do that. That is God. I think that is helpful. And I think on a certain level that is um, fun to think about, but in a certain sense, my mind, when you, when you say that my mind automatically goes into sort of the es eschatological realm and it's like, okay, well, when Jesus comes back and the new heavens and the new earth are established, are we going to be able to interact with Jesus in that way? Right. Um, in the same way that the disciples were able to interact with him during his life on earth. Well, yeah, I, I firmly believe that in the resurrection, in the new heavens and the new earth, we are talking about physical new heavens right. and new earths. You know, we're not, this is not a ethereal existence where we float around on clouds and play harps. Thank you very much, Warner Brothers, <laughs> um, which I'm definitely dating myself on that one. But by the way, those are some of my favorite cartoons. I used to watch Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner all the time. Love those cartoons. And my favorite is when, you know, at the end, sometimes the coyote dies and is playing his harp on the car on the clouds. I love those. You really are dating right. yourself. Anyway. You are so old. <laughs> I loved those cartoons. So I still do. You can find them on YouTube. They're fantastic. Wow. <laughs> anyway. No, I do. It, it, we are talking about a real thing. Real meaning physical. Now, it's a different kind of physicality for sure. You know, if we want to get into the weeds of it, when Paul talks in Corinthians about our spiritual bodies, he doesn't mean a non-physical, but he means a body with 
different properties than our current physical bodies has have. So, and it's pretty clear from that context if we ever, if we want to go there, but, but Jesus was physical. He rose, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. ate fish, he, he touched people, the people touched him. And so, yes, I am very much looking forward to the resurrection when I get to have a big old bear hug from yeah. Jesus. And it, and it, and it is not a spiritual metaphor, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, okay, but here's the thing that is currently still true. Like that is true now. Now I know Jesus doesn't necessarily show up physically right now in my car. Let's leave the sacraments out for a minute, but <laughs> here's the thing. He could, he could, he has a body. It's a mystery as to where and how that all works. That's a real weeds episode. Let's, let's not go there. But but we all believe he has a physical body, no matter how you think it works. And Jesus could open up my car door, sit down in my car, comment on how much trashy it is, how much trash is in the front seat that he had to move around. You know, I mean, he really could. <laughs> I, I find this ch- like I'm as I'm listening to you guys talk here and I'm reflecting on my own answer to your question, Brandon, about how I view Jesus. Like, I'm thinking that sometimes I really, even as I'm talking to him and praying throughout the day, like, I don't have in my mind that he's like really there and like he might want to say something to me about the things. Like, I sort of treat him as like a journal (laughs) where I'm like, dear Jesus, you know, and I, I, I sort of, and it's, to be honest, like, I think there's something healthy. Like I, I unload, like I can process and it's really supremely helpful, but I don't always actually like in that way, I can treat them like a, a resource, but not a person who's like, like I tell him everything. And, and then I sort of just say, thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. And and thinking of him as a real, like as he truly is, like I know that he is a real person. Like, man, that's, I wouldn't treat other people that way of just being like, Hey, let me, let me tell you all this stuff. All right. Thanks so much. See you later. Like there's conversation, there's dialogue. And, and I, I think there's a way that I I don't really grasp that or practice that sometimes a way of, of giving him that respect or, or like, like actually believing like, yeah, you're, you're listening. And now I'm going to shut up for a little bit and maybe listen to you or I don't know. It, it's challenging my perspective a little bit. Peter, the image I had as you talked about that, cause yeah, I think that's pretty common for me too, to, I like how you said that treat Jesus like a journal, but the image that just came to my mind was on, on some of the <laughs> worse places in, in like YouTube, for example, where people like do these, basically long form diatribes that where they just talk to the camera by themselves. Right. And apparently that's pretty popular in some places, but I feel like that's sometimes how we treat God. It's like, turn on the camera, talk to the camera, you know, <laughs> and and then turn it off mm. and never, you know, I, yeah. and it's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But to circle back around to that question, what's the significance, you know, what's, what's the meaning of this doctrine that God became a, a man, God became a human. What's this meaning for me? Peter, what you're saying is one of those things is what it means for me is like, it's not just a nice exercise to imagine that Jesus could physically get into my car and talk to me. That is a statement of fact and reality, which will, that does actually make me think differently about how I talk to him. So Brandon, well, what is, what does that do for you then? Like whenever you shift your mind to actually think of Jesus as incarnate, Jesus as, you know, the true sense of the word, like Emmanuel, God with us. What is, what does that do for you? I mean, cause it seems like it's doing something for you. What is it? Like where where is that taking you right now? Well, there's I wrote I have a lot of things on this, but the first one is it 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 engages my my wonder. Like I get I don't know, I it, I get so excited 
to try to make it really real for my heart, my soul, my mind. That this isn't just a philosophical statement. It's not just like, okay, here's a thing to believe. We stay the, state these words. God became human. Like, holy mackerel. <laughs> you know? I mean, that God, the all-everything infinite, walked around as a human being. Like, what does that do for me? One th one thing it does for me is just makes me excited to think about it. Like, it's like, it's like the same way I feel literally on my background of my computer right now is one of the James Webb telescope galaxy images. And I can seriously look at those things for hours on end. The first one that came out was a little square and you could zoom in and see galaxies, you know, little tiny galaxies. And I think I looked at that image for like 30 minutes. And all it did for me is make me happy. <laughs> it made me excited. That's the first thing. The other thing, the other thing it does for me is it makes my, it makes my theology real. It makes my theology. It's, it just, it makes it like what I believe is something that's, that's as real as gravity, as real as the sun. So, well, the question you asked, Matt, about like, what does that do for you? It's, uh, sort of the thing that came to the surface for me has been one of the blog articles that I, I've written for Advent about how the incarnation brings together these like two views of God, his like transcendence, his, you know, and that word kind of encapsulate like God who is far above man in righteousness, holiness, he is set apart in knowledge, like we are not like God. He is, you know, transcendent above us, right? And like, we need that view. We, we need to know that God is God and we are not. But then we can also have this perspective of like God as like a close personal friend who gives us advice and sort of um, cares about us. But like, we might not treat that person as the ultimate authority in our lives, but more as like, I, I want your input, but I kind of reserve the right to decide what I think. And what I've been contemplating is how the incarnation brings together those images of God where we kind of avoid some of the impersonal sort of distance that we can get if we only ever think of God as a transcendent being. Oh, he's so far above me. How could I ever have a relationship with him? Well, the incarnation, Jesus came to me. But, and, and so, all right, well, he's here with me. He is present. He chose to come down to earth to be present with us. So that must mean like he's somewhat less than God or like, you know, I can just treat his role in my life as a companion, a, a giver of advice. Thanks, Jesus. I'll, I'll think about that. But no, he is God and man. And like those two things fuse together in a compassionate, but righteous and holy authority for my life who, who understands what it's like to walk in my shoes. But at the end of the day, I can't dismiss him and go, you know, thanks. Thanks, God. I'll think about that. But like, the, he's like, no, like I'm, I'm with you and I love you. I died for you, but <laughs> I have something to say to you. And like, I am that holy and righteous God who knows so much better than you do. Follow me. And, and that's not a suggestion. It's not just a, he's not interested in giving us advice. He's interested in, in leading us. And for me, that, that is like the incarnation brings those perspectives together in a compelling way that I think for me reminds me, I can trust Jesus. I can trust when he says, follow me or do this or do that because, because of the fact that he's not just that transcendent God whom I don't feel may care about me. Like I know it. I, he's shown it so well. And I know he has the authority and, and I know that he has his love for me. And so the end result is sort of a, a giving in. To use the word that we so often use, it's a consenting to you are God. You do care about me. I don't know why you're asking me to do this. And frankly, I'm quite terrified by some of the things you call me to. But at the end of the day, if I'm really honest with myself, I do trust you. You like you're God and you, you died for me. Like, so help me to, to trust your word, help me to obey. And I don't know, just 
this way of contemplating on the incarnation yeah. has really kind of brought that together for me. You're you're making me think of a super nerdy book that I read a while ago that just was it, it's such an awesome book. And I can't remember the name of it. I was going to try to look out of my shelves for it, but it's it's a book about the way modern theology has sort of lost the the concept of the eminence of God. And it, so it's that you know what we're talking about is this this paradox within Christianity. See, I want to use different language there. It's not within Christianity. It's as if Christianity is a system. The the reality, the paradox of reality that God is both transcendent, that is above this concrete reality, outside of our physical concrete particularity, and imminent inside of it, part of it, who that, that God is because of Christ is one of his own creations now to say it in a way that's kind of possibly a little scary that God has brought, you know, so he's no longer just out there. He's actually really, really, really concrete. He is a particular human being named Jesus Christ, you know, which is the same, well, named Jesus Christ is his title, (laughs) but that's like, it's like saying, it's like saying God is a particular person. It's Bob right there. That's God. <laughs> Whoa. That is actually what happened. That is actually what, that is the central truth of, of reality at this point. That's why Christmas is, is such an important holiday. The crucifixion and our salvation makes no sense unless you actually realize that what we're saying is, that guy right there, Jesus, is God. And his just his death saves us. So a question, I guess, how do we I don't know if the word's experience or how do we integrate that idea that God is eminent, he is close at hand into our life, into our theology in a world where Christ is resurrected and not physically with us walking around, right? Like, I don't know, I can, I can, we can perceive that in the gospels. He was literally walking around in Jerusalem with people eating and stuff. And, and that was his eminence, you know, he came, but he also ascended. Like, so are we left, you know, what's, I don't know. I'm not sure the question I'm asking, um, so I'm not going to take the bait to le- to go off into different theological systems on this. That again, maybe we need to have another podcast on that. But I do want to say one thing about the ascension. What's fascinating about the ascension is that that passage when, when what we call the ascension is in scripture <laughs> something. The word is something more like. An obscuration. (laughs) So the actual imagery in that passage of scripture is not that Jesus floated up into heaven on a cloud and disappeared up high. What's actually said in the passage is that the clouds obscured him from their vision. Now, you got to go and do some digging into the Greek to understand that and read some people on this. But, But people who are people who are teaching on this, that that's, that's actually what's happening. There is a, it's not that Jesus floats up and disappears up in the high skies. It's that he, he kind of gets obscured from their sight. And what that has often been understood as within the tradition is not a removal of God from this, of Jesus from this world, but, and, and I don't, and the theologians who are listening can correct me on this in by sending me an email at podcast at signpostin.org. But um, but that's often been to to use language that's coming to me right now is it's not that God was take Jesus was taken away from us at that moment at the quote unquote ascension. It's that it's like he was diffused into reality for us. <laughs> in other words, it's like he's still he he didn't leave. It wasn't a leaving of God 
it was a it was a divine act of becoming physically still here omnipresently now depending on the kind of theologian you are you're going to disagree with me on some of that but either way even if you want to f- debate that fine point none of us think that god left or at least we shouldn't <laughs> we shouldn't think that jesus left and is no longer here well and this really does uh raise issues of of understanding the trinity right and this and and we can again we can get lost in the weeds on that but yeah if somebody had a problem with that i would i would sort of skirt around it and just say, well, the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is omnipresent within reality and accessible to us at all times. And again, it's like, well, which part, which, which part of the triune God are we experiencing right now? Which, which part will we experience in the resurrection? Which part did the disciples experience when Jesus was incarnate? That can really get complicated. And I'm not even sure if there's really a great answer to all those things, because I'm not sure how we could actually know with certainty what the clear definition of what that, what that looks like and what that is like. So, right. I think for me, the great answer is that systematically we don't really have a way of talking about this that everybody can agree on that works really well and that makes perfect rational sense. To me, that's actually a great answer precisely because it's like, well, okay, here's a good analogy. We have a, we don't have a great systematic, philosophical, perfectly modeled answer for quantum physics either. There are like 37, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a lot of different theories about how quantum physics works. And people are arguing about that constantly. That is a physical reality that we cannot capture in a system and words accurately. Like it's, we're talking about little tiny physical things and we still, we can't even do it there. Great. And you expect me to have the right philosophical, theological, systematic exp- explanation of the incarnation and the Trinity and how God ex- <laughs> how God interacts? With- no, like all of our attempts are valid and good, and we need them to help us not say crazy stuff. But back to the question you asked me, Matt: What does contemplating or meditating on the incarnation do for me? It really helps me to break out of my own sort of little arrogant philosophical system. And I love being broken out of that. It it humbles me. And I, and to me, that's where my prayer life has changed. And geez, even using that word, that's where my relationship with God has been changing a lot. I have a very strong opinion theologically. People probably know that on the system. But at the same time, I love it being broken (laughs) in this, like, I love this, like, I've come up against, how does the Holy Spirit indwell me? How does Jesus, how is Jesus both God and man, fully God and fully man at the same time, you know? ah. (laughs) Well, and and I think you're right. I think, and I think God is in that disruption, right? And we've talked about this before in, in various ways on the podcast, but it's almost like God really loves to shake things up and and kind of shatter our thinking in a certain way so that we can experience him on a deeper level. And it kind of sounds like that's what's at hand right now, right? Or at least with you, Brandon, yeah. as we're meditating on this here in the Christmas season, it's like the incarnation is taking on a new level. And yeah, I think that's so great because of any time of the year, where it's appropriate to have our paradigm shattered and think in a new way about what it means for God to be with us. It's now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. These are the parts of reality. These are the parts of what God did that cannot be captured in talking with systematic language, but has to be captured in poetry. Hmm. And that's the only way we can really do it. And I think, yeah, I wish I had been able to get those, those hymns. I'm under, I do have one that I want to read. So Matt, what you're saying 
makes me think this. And as I was preparing for this episode, that's where my mind went was what you were saying, which is of all the times of year, this is the time to meditate on these differently to have our paradigms broken. And so I think these are the things, the incarnation, the, the Christ's death and resurrection, the best way to meditate on them is not to systematize them, but to, but to write poetry, to sing songs. One of the hymns that I, re, I just want to read some parts from it. This is the called this, this hymn is the night will soon be ending. This really captures <laughs> some of what I think is so fantastic about the incarnation. I'm just going to read parts of it. This is the night will soon be ending. It's written by, I can't say his name, Joe, Joe Ken Klepper, but 1903 to 1942. The night will soon be ending. The dawn cannot be far. Let songs of praise ascending now greet the morning star. All you whom darkness frightens with guilt or grief or pain, God's radiant star now brightens and bids you sing again. The one whom angels tended comes near, a child, to serve. Thus God the judge offended bears all our sins deserve. The guilty need not cower, for God has reconciled through his redemptive power all those who trust this child. The earth in sure rotation will soon bring morning bright. So run where God's salvation glows in a stable's light. As old as sin's perversion is mercy's vast design, God brings a new creation, this child, its seal and sign. Yet, nights will bring their sadness and rob our hearts of peace. And sin, in all its madness, around us may increase. But now, one star is beaming, whose rays have pierced the night. God comes for our redeeming from sin's oppressive might. God dwells with us in darkness and makes the night as day. Yet we resist the brightness and turn from God away. But grace does not forsake us. However far we run, God claims us still as children through Mary's infant son. Whew. It's, it's that last verse. <laughs> God dwells with us in darkness and makes, us, makes the night as day. Yet we resist the brightness and turn from God away. But grace does not forsake us. However far we run, God claims us still as children through Mary's infant son. There is something really moving about that. Like just listening to you read that right now, like just, I don't know, something about that is like beautiful, beautiful and right. And I so appreciate you bringing that because so often my natural tendency is to think that the best way to interact with truth mm -hmm. is to think about it, you know, and systematize it and, and figure it out, you know, and I don't know. I'm just reminded by my experience that there is such goodness in sitting with and in that poetry and in the the artful expressions of it that like bring it from my head to my heart as a a good thing to think about that I believe is right and true to something that's beautiful and makes my soul yearn and ache in some way that is like yeah yeah that that's not just true but it's it's wonderful and so often I I neglect to wonder and awe at the mystery of of God and and the incarnation in particular. Mm. And so thanks. Thanks for bringing that. I, I enjoyed yeah. that. I think as we wrap this episode up, I have one other thing I'd like to read, which is a prayer about the incarnation. And it's from 
Angela of Foligno. And she has this beautiful prayer. So yeah, let's, let's close with this prayer. O Lord Jesus Christ, make me worthy to understand the profound mystery of your holy incarnation, which you have worked for our sake and for our salvation. Truly, there is nothing so great and wonderful as this, that you, my God, who are the creator of all things, should become a creature, so that we should become like God. You have humbled yourself and made yourself small, that we might be made mighty. You have taken the form of a servant, so that you might confer upon us a royal and divine beauty. You who are beyond our understanding have made yourself understandable to us in Jesus Christ. You who are the uncreated God have made yourself a creature for us. You who are the untouchable one have made yourself touchable to us. You who are most high, make us capable of understanding your amazing love and the wonderful things you have done for us. Make us able to understand the mystery of your incarnation, the mystery of your life, example, and doctrine, the mystery of your cross and passion, the mystery of your resurrection and ascension. Blessed are you, O Lord, for coming to earth as a man. Amen. Listeners, thanks for hanging out with us on the back porch today. I hope you have found it edifying to your Christmas season. And thanks for being listeners. And may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org. While you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter and we'll send you a free ebook. Also, a big thanks to all of our supporters. Signpost N is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, and we exist only because of our generous donors who make everything we do possible. Please consider supporting us with your recurring donation. Visit signpostn.org/donate.